Welcome to another edition of Packy Chat, episode 30, chat number 30. Uh, once again, uh, this is a continuation kind of from our get-together in February. Uh, Dr. Jen still with us, so great having her here. So six of us getting together to chat this time. Started out talking about conferences and learning experiences and, you know, favorites and why we go and what we get out of them and it turned into just kind of a mess of us uh, sitting around having uh, enjoying each other's company and talking smack and having fun with each other so if it's your first time listening I would hope that you do not uh, stop listening based on this chat because it is a little out of the ordinary it's a little little looser a little more freeform especially towards the end and uh, again, if it's your first time, go back and listen to some other ones first. Don't start here. But, you know, we thought uh, this is who we are, and we like to have fun together. So we thought we'd just kind of let it roll and put the mic down and see where it goes. And, you know, for those of you listening, maybe you can relate, maybe you can't. But if you know us, you know uh, it's kind of who we are and how we roll with things. So those of you that listen to us and follow us, we appreciate you, as always, if you like us. You know, follow us on Facebook, tell your friends to like us. It means a lot. You know, if you have ideas for episodes for future podcasts, leave us a message on Facebook, post something, uh, send us an email, packychatpodcast at gmail.com. One thing I need to add um, before the podcast, podcast gets started is we did have some technical difficulties. We had some issues with the microphone where it gets kind of staticky. Um, it's short couple seconds at a time it's annoying I know and we apologize and it was too much to edit out it was impossible to edit out so again my apologies for the quality of this podcast uh low budget production it's all we can afford but enough of me babbling uh you'll hear plenty of us babbling uh, for the next 40 minutes or so so uh as always thanks for listening we really appreciate each and every one of you thanks so yeah so for uh when you go to a conference you get a lot of information, right? You come back with a lot of information. You tell everybody this is how you do it? Huh? You come back and yeah, tell exactly. Yeah, exactly. You, you're on a conference high. You know, what's the first thing you do? How do you, how do you try to implement those strategies and things that you've learned while you're, while you're away? I think in the past, every time I've come back from a conference, everybody is on that conference high. I think there's nothing worse than being on that conference high and then within... 48 hours of going back, that was just a waste. You actually end up being on a lower part, part than you when you first even gone to that conference. You know, um, when you try to go throw too much, to me, if anything, is you try to throw too much at people, they're going to shut down. They get to, in your head, prioritize what you think best meet the needs of your, uh, of your current program at that time and see if those needs can match. And ideally, if you before you even go to the conference, you kind of talk to your teammates and ask, hey, what is some of the things that would be good for us to get information on? You know, what's some of the, so you kind of get a to-do list that people have already known that this is what they want to hear back. So when you go back, you're just kind of answering the questions and you're fulfilling that to-do list. So it's, to bring it up is kind of like an easy gig because it's already been brought up even before you came. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I agree with you. I think you have to pick your spots when you want to try to bring stuff up. You know, 
I think it's also a mistake on the other side. The person comes back and they want to just say everything in the first two days. Um, whereas, you know, there's a conference once a year for a reason. So maybe you take that full year and as things come up organically, you can say, hey, I learned this at the EMA or whatever conference it is, right? Um, yeah, because so you can. I, yeah, yeah, if you come back with saying, oh, we got to do this, this, and this, it's almost saying how shit you are. Yeah. You know, and there's like so many things that we need to improve on. And that's going to rub people the wrong way. Yeah, and, the, you know, egos are at play and everything when you come back and, you know, you have all these ideas and things like that. So I think the people that have the person coming back know that they're going to come back with ideas and be on this conference high. And I think some of it, there's got to be that understanding as well of like, hey, this person's going to come back. They're going to have some ideas, some things we can implement, some things we won't. I think if there's an understanding between the two, hopefully it would be okay. You know, and then if you come back, you know, maybe <clears throat> maybe meeting with your manager first might be might be also a good a good strategy, you know, and sharing the information there then and, and hopefully your manager can help help you out in giving some advice or even even, you know, if you have them on your on your side you can you have some support and you try to bring it up. Or maybe they bring it up. No. If you go there also and you and you pick and choose who you start talking to, you come back to conference high, and then you start having side conversations with only certain members of your team. That could also not be a, a good move as well. Rub people the wrong way. Yeah. What our team does is, whenever anybody comes back from a conference, it's kind of expected that they'll do a sort of a mini presentation of, um, you know, what was presented, what did you learn, what did you think was cool, um, so that it's, you know, it's in a team environment, everybody's together, and it's more of a presentation of what was talked about, and then the whole team can get excited about maybe one or two of those ideas of like, hey, that, that could actually be really kind of cool for our program, that, you know, that speaks to us, let's talk about that a little bit more, maybe that's something that we could try, and it, it almost, is more of a, a team decision versus one person coming back and saying, right. hey, we should do all these cool things because these other people are doing it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so that, that has worked really well. Um, but it also helps to, because you know, not everybody gets to go to the conference and not everybody gets to hear this stuff firsthand. So it's a, a sort of a way that they get to hear, you know, kind of the highlights of what happened at the conference. Not that they were there, but they get to hear some of that same information. Yeah, we did something similar. The first place I ever worked is you were expected to write something up and then present. I mean, we didn't have PowerPoint then, it was slides. So no, <laughs> one, no one was doing a slideshow, but they would write it up, make copies of the, the agenda, and yeah, try to get everybody jazzed with it. No, I had, I had a couple questions. Just one. What are your favorite conferences to go to? You know, um, where do you get the most out of? And then um, the the third question is kind of a a, a weird one, but um, do you, do, as a group, do you guys ever feel like you go to a conference and you're like, this is so like either above my head or below? You know what I mean? Do you ever go and like, what the hell am I doing here? You know, either way. Mm. I've definitely been to conferences that I wished were. Shorter, and it's not because they were above my head or below my head. Content either didn't hold me, or 
there wasn't enough value in it that I didn't want to come back the next day. Right. Um, and to be honest, for me, the most value that I ever get in a conference is is socializing and the, and the small talk. And I definitely bring home more from small talk than I do from the people that are presenting. You'll write ideas down, but it's rare. It's very rare that it's like, oh my god, this was this was earth shattering. I agree, and I think that was that was kind of what we missed a lot during COVID when everything went virtual, and then you kind of realize that you can do these conferences virtually, which is great, but there's a huge part that you miss out on. Yeah. You know, you just you yeah. just get the scientific content, and that's it. You don't get that one-on-one -on -one interaction, making those connections and networking, and you know, you you learn stuff just by talking with people at the bar at the end of the day. You know, and yeah. you start sharing stories and stuff, and you get a lot you get a lot out of that. Yeah, there's a lot, it's, it's organic, right? Yeah. So, yeah, you get a lot out of that. Even, I mean, not to dive into the COVID stuff, but even uh, just after a meeting, all the Zoom meetings we ever have, there's, those are so inorganic, and yeah. you, you get the facts that people want to give yeah, you. Yeah, in and, and out, yeah. 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 I was in I was in some conferences oh. during COVID where they, they tried really hard to replicate that social function, and it was, um, I think the I think the platform was called like Kumo Space or something, and so during the breaks you would go into that space and you could go to like a room, and then if your little bubble came by like this group of people, you could all talk together. It was very awkward. Um, <laughs> I didn't enjoy that at all. I couldn't. I don't know. I couldn't get anything out of that. I was like, this is this is way too awkward. Like your little avatar bubbles are talking to each other and stuff. And I was like, I don't, I don't yeah. know about this. So I, in person, it's definitely better. I think the. The first virtual EMA was the closest to a real EMA because one of the virtual attendees took their shirt off and laid in bed on camera. <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up. I, <laughs> I was free shot. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I liked the virtual thing because you could participate in a lot more um, because you could just right. do it from your desk and you didn't have to travel somewhere. But And you can get other stuff done. Yeah, yeah, basically, right, you're doing emails at the same time, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's missing something, if you just want to, if you just want to get information, great, um, but it, it's just not the same. But, uh, but I also met people that actually loved the virtual conference, yeah. you okay. know, because, yeah. you know, like, personality-wise, they're more introverted, they're yeah, not they going to be out in the bar, they're not going to be socializing, yeah. and then they notice that, you know, you get people... Like for the EMA conferences, the representation from around yeah, the world yeah. was um, yeah. so much higher. You know, yeah. we had people, um, you know, I give talks and attend that never um, that that would never come to a conference. Now, the interesting thing is that we still have those same platforms available, but they don't always work really well when you have a room full of people. And then you got yeah, the virtual attendees off yeah. the side. Almost so it's, needs to be one or the other. Yeah, like if they're going to just present something, that's fine. But if you could have any kind of discussion or, or anything like that, yeah. it's, 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 it's kind of bomb. You know, we, the EMA, I remember at the end of the day, we'd have papers were done. Let's leave the, um, the windows open for people to talk, right? And when I was the moderator, I signed on. So I'm at home. 
and um, there's a social thing going on. And so I was doing other things, and I could hear like crickets chirp or people like hello, <laughs> hello, right? Like it was. Yeah, it's so. I was funny. in the other room and I felt awkward, man. I wasn't yeah. even involved in it. But right. it was yeah, that didn't work out too well. So I think the majority of people still still like the in person thing, but it was um, it was. It's popular, and, and and some people I know are disappointed that those that kind of went away now. Yeah, I think I, I do like the hybrid option, but with the caveat that there's not you don't try to force the social aspect of it. It's yeah. the in-person people can do their thing, and then the hybrid version of it is like you get you're just there you're for ba- basically like on-demand access to yeah. the talks, and that's all you get, which is totally fine. Um, because sometimes that's that's a great option for you if you can't travel, you know, for whatever reason, or you don't, you have limited funds. It's a little bit cheaper. Yeah, but um, you, you gotta you gotta have somebody just doing that because the stuff that we've seen where the the person that's moderating and trying to yeah. do the conference yeah. and yeah. the IT stuff, it's, it's a mess. It, it can right. be a mess. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, just over time, people have figured it out a little bit better, but you have to be set up correctly to yeah. do it. Um, and some of the smaller conferences, it's more challenging because if it's live but you can then just go back in later on demand and watch them and you just take a test to get the CE credits or whatever right. and and it's fine and it works you know it works but um, yeah. the um, the virtual thing you know sometimes you uh, you might not <laughs> you, you might not think of a question till later on and then they're gone right but if you're in person you if you see them later on the week, you can have that conversation. Sometimes some people are nervous. They might have a bunch of questions and they're nervous to ask the questions in a live, in-person one or even on, even virtually, even you're chatting in, you're gonna say that same, like, you might have six follow-up questions. It's a little more awkward. Whereas if you saw somebody, you can have a one-on-one conversation and it's just a private one. You know, you can yeah. share information not be worried about being judged about being silly questions or stupid questions, you know, at all. So I think it is, you know, the virtual one is kind of one and done. You got 20 minutes of this presentation, you got two minutes of questions, or 10 minutes of questions, just like you would in a live one, but then that person's gone. Yeah. You wouldn't have an opportunity to follow up later in the week, you know. Dude, one of my favorite ones ever was, I forget what conference it was, but I watched Cecil and Paul Ling sit next to each other for like an hour chatting back and forth and I was like god I wish I was a fly on the wall to hear that conversation <laughs> but you're not going to get that in a virtual yeah. you know you're not going to connect those two people the same way and what an opportunity one of the cool things for I mean, obviously for Zubet's you know Zubet conference is what we usually go to but um, every third or fourth year or so we do a joint conference with um, the European Association of Zubet's mm-hmm. um, and so It'll either be somewhere in the United States or somewhere in Europe. And it's really kind of cool because in that, then you get to meet people that you don't usually get to meet and kind of see um, different ways of doing things from a different organization that you don't normally do. And that's kind of cool. I really enjoy that. Plus, you get to try. You know, I got to go to the Czech Republic. And yeah. Travel is pretty cool. And do, do the do the European vets do things? They do things a lot they different. They do things than a lot differently. States, right? yeah. 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 I mean, um, they have a whole, you know, sometimes an entirely different philosophy yeah. on, um, you know, management euthanasia. 
how they manage um, the husbandry aspects of things. So you can kind of see different different aspects. So favorite conference, not memory base. What do you do? What do you look forward to every year and why? Um, uh, so for me, obviously, I I love this week at Wheeling. It's one of my favorite weeks because I get to hang out with you guys, and then I get to meet a bunch of new people. So I I really enjoy this Wheeling week probably the most out of anything. Um, and then for me, obviously, EMA is great just because of the the, the networking and stuff. I, it, that's a lot of fun. From AZA conferences, I I don't get a lot out of them. I, they're a little bit overwhelming to me because there's so much going on and there's so many people that you know. I just try to focus in on the thi- the the two or three things that I go to and then that's it. And I so they're for me the those are ones just okay. But um, so that's probably my thing. And then if we're gonna go with favorite conference of all time. Uh, Santa Barbara was pretty fun in 2012. You don't remember Nashville? No, I, that's what I was just about to say. And I was going <laughs> to tell my story. <laughs> no, the biggest thing I remember about Nashville is Mike. And we're at the stage. And I look over. Mike and Mike, doesn't remember Nashville. Oh, I know. Oh, and I Mike's, remember every minute of Nashville. Mike, <laughs> Mike, Mike's leaning up against the wall. I'd never seen Mike drunk before. Right? So I was like. Mike's having a good time. <laughs> and then the next day, we're like, where's Mike? Yeah, he's still no trouble. <laughs> but that night at the stage was pretty fun. Yeah, no, that, that, was, a, that was a good night. Yeah, I threw up out the side of the, of the cab. I waited at least until I got back to the room. Yeah. 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 I'm with you. EMA is a, a favorite because of the people. Anywhere that I get to. I mean, anywhere we get to go, where we go somewhere a day early, a day late, and see you guys yeah. hang out and yeah. do something fun is a plus. Um, I feel the same way about AZA that you do. It seems like, you know, it's a, a full schedule, and whenever I see talks I like, they're at the same time on the same day mm-hmm. in different parts of the, yeah. of the thing. It never fails. Yeah. But I like, I mean, I'm very interested in stuff not just the animal, the animal tracks. I like some of the other stuff too, the exhibit tracks and the, you know, the other ones and it never fails that they overlap. So that sucks. Mm-hmm. And it's a different crowd. There's so many people there. That, like the, so few. the yeah. opportunities to network just seem almost overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. It's tough too, because you try to go to a talk and you come out of one room and you, you know, you can spend 20 minutes in one, you got to go catch the tail end of another one. In between rooms, you run into somebody that you need to talk to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know you're never going to see him and, again and in that I, crowd. Well, right. that, and you, 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 you know, it's like a situation that, like, you can only, I can only talk to you for three minutes because I, yeah. that's all I got time for because I got to run to this or run to this or go talk to somebody else or, you know, right. you almost feel like. The, or the boat's leaving or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> And it's so expensive. Yeah. Hotels are expensive. Registration is expensive. Yeah, I fall in the same category. It's not to me easy or not, just big conference versus small conference. You know, um, if if there's like an EMA conference and I had 150, 100 people there, but there's a, it wasn't concurrent, but did cover other topics, Mm -hmm. you know, across the spectrum. 
um, that'd still be appealing as well. You know, EMA is elephant centric, but it's to me, I do like the smaller, smaller venue. Every you don't have to worry about your schedule; it, it's kind of laid out. You know, um, it's impossible to be. But the one disadvantage is it's impossible to be equally engaged, I think, for me anyway, in all the topics. You know, you go to a conference and say there's, we've been to EMA conferences or conferences before where this is, the, this is the training day, this is the conservation day, this is the research day or whatever. And then you're like, well, I'm gonna go sit in on this day. I'm not really interested. It's gonna be a long day for me. I'm not gonna be equally engaged. Whereas I really mix it up, if there's eight papers, okay, so maybe there's one paper I'm not that engaged with, maybe I'll go do something else, or I'm just, I'm getting through two hours, or getting through an hour instead of getting through eight hours altogether. That's a tough, tough call, right? What is better, to make it one day so that all the, all the training nerds can be there and, and just have their day and they just love it, and then maybe they go do zoo day or they go do another part in the city or something like that. I don't know what's the best, but. So far, every one of you guys, and it will equal saying that, is that we're not really talking much about the content. We're talking about the people, you know? Yeah. And in our first conferences, we never, we didn't have people. None of us had people, right? The first, first time you go to a conference, yeah, we've all been there, right? It's terrifying, and you don't have your buddies to hang out with because you don't have any buddies, actually. You haven't met anybody at all. But all it takes for me is like two conferences or something like that and the same people and then next you know here we are like 25 years plus later and now it's not about you know i don't give a shit what the papers are really i remember when i was like first going to conferences i was excited to see the conference schedule look all the things <laughs> i don't i don't really almost care about the conference schedule anymore well but you know? but it, i mean without sounding i don't know arrogant or whatever it is honestly what is somebody going to present that we haven't heard seen or already know something about everybody in this room, like the the, the six degrees of separation. It, it's three degrees or less of separation to anyone that presents. Well, you know, sure. in these talks, so there's been nothing groundbreaking that that I haven't heard already know the background to. You know, there, I've been surprised at the stuff some places do, but it's not like it's not. Oh my God, I need to. You know run back and try this because I, I never thought of such a thing. I'm just surprised that that they could do that kind of training there. You know what I mean? So yeah, and that that's what I was getting at, like kind of not to sound arrogant, but like below your below you know what I mean? Like yeah, but I, I still love listening to No, you. I do too, because you can pick up something from oh, no. talk no matter what, right? A absolutely yeah. but but that's why that's why those first several conferences you go to, it's all about the papers because right. that shit's new. Mm -hmm. You know? We we have a hand in so many different aspects of elephant, the elephant community, and we talk all the time, you know, that that, that stuff just isn't new anymore. Right. Well, look at the things that are valuable nowadays in conferences, right? It's more panel discussions that are more valuable for people because you get to do exactly what we've been talking about. You get to talk to people, your peers, people who have expertise, and it's an exchange with the, the conference attendees and a panel over a particular topic. Well, I get a lot more out of that than any of them. Yeah, kind of what we were talking about before, too. It's that transparency and the sharing of information, which hasn't always happened, right? And hopefully it encourages people to be more open and forthcoming with the way to, it's the only way to advance what we're doing is to share that information so that we can build upon it. 
So one of the things that, you know, knows, knows between back in the day, we all have stories where we had drama and controversy at the conferences. You know, there'd be certain topics, people yelling and screaming at each other. And it was entertaining. But now we go to these conferences, we don't seem to have that as much as we used to. You think it's more because there's not reasons to scream and shout and really go after one another? Or you think it's just generational thing and where we are right now, that's not how people deal with differences? I think, the, I think the controversy came from from a, a lopsided in, uh, industry. Free contact, protected contact, just starting. So that there was that com controversy. Before that, free contact people, if you didn't all do it kind of the same way or do it very well, people called you on your shit. And that is both, I think, a sign of the times. You know, now, now while, while everybody feels like they have a voice, I don't think they're as confrontational face to face. Yeah. Is but it, the industry has also balanced out. There's less to be, I, I think there's less to be controversial about. Yeah. Controversial or passionate? I don't know. Tell me more. Well, I think there's less, I think there's innately less, less division because the playing field's been, not even, but you know what I mean, we've been, we've been told the big brush strokes have been taken care of for us. You know what I mean? Some of the more controversial things that were the points of contention before, they're not there anymore. There are others which we all are aware of, you know, training style and things like that. But it's not, it's not as polarizing as that stuff used to be. And frankly, there was some, you know, I, I don't know if it's a sign of the times or what, or generational, but a lot of these people have aged out. There were some characters that don't exist anymore. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's always been a very passionate field to be in, right? People that are in it have strong feelings. But at the same time, we're not seeing people stay in it as long as they used to. You know, so is it a matter of that, that passion doesn't reach the peaks that it used to? Right. Because people, regardless of the topics or the ammunition or whatever it is, people take their passion and apply it equally. And it doesn't dull over time. I'll buy that. A little bit. I'm not saying anybody's less passionate about elephants. It's just the topics, you know, and the time in the industry. Right. You know, it's a great point about the amount of long people, how long people stay in it. I think there's an industry. There's a lot. Of, I think people are less tolerant to be in an industry maybe that's full of such drama and controversy. They can just dip out and go and do something else because the workload's the same. People's body break down is the same, I think. You know, I guess there is some technological advantage, but a wheelbarrow is a wheelbarrow and a shovel is a shovel. So. More bobcats, more gators, more people. So do you, do you think, now that's good, do you think that, you know, if we look way back when the number of people per elephant, stuff like that, do you think there is zoos and facilities with elephants are better staffed than they used to be? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But I also yeah. think they have to be. They, you generally, at least, my experience, one of them craps, you go pick it up. So you're picking up single turds throughout the day, then you got a herd of 10 elephants that you pick up twice a day, right. or three times, first first thing in the morning, noon, hopefully at night. It's a lot more work, and you're raking more, and, and you know, I think the, and, and then shifting elephants, 
if you're doing PC, you're holding your station elephants, you got five elephants, you should probably have five keepers, you know? In fact, there used to be two of us taking five elephants out, you line them up and, you know what I mean? So. Yeah, oh yeah. I think for some of the longevity stuff too, there's actually, um, there's, you know, there's, people study this all the time that there's very distinct, um, when you look at generational differences, I think that speaks a lot to longevity in any workforce, it does not just zoos, but, um, you know, when you look at the newer generations, they don't stay in any job a long time. They want, they, they have a tendency to kind of bounce around and that's just kind of how they, they do things. So I wonder, you know, some of it is that. Um, and then the ones that are truly passionate about elephants and that's really what they want to do are going to stay longer. But, um, but yeah, there's like scientific data showing that the newer generations are a lot more, you know, not willing to stay any right. one place for any length of time. And I mean, taking care of animals is tough, man. It you is. know, like having animals, I'll speak for me, having that animals where their lives depend on us. It's, yeah, you know, you got that awesome. and you got the people side of it. Like it's, it's a lot, you know, so I can see how people are like, I can't do this very long. You yeah. know, it takes a lot out of you to go home at night and wonder if, you know, the animal's going to be there tomorrow and, you know, or, or a sick one's going to get better over time. And, you know, all of that, it, it, you know, it's, it takes, you guys know. Yeah, physical toll, emotional toll, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Especially with such a high-profile species, too. Yeah. You know. And and in the positions, you know, that, that we all sit in, you know, there's yeah. a lot of pressure to those positions. People don't realize it, but um, <clears throat> from from the bottom up, top down, you know, it's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. It's interesting you meant the emotional toll, right? Because I referred again about physical, right? For the most part always thinking about when I was coming up through, you see people drop off because their bodies were given out. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, can you imagine 20 years ago, mentioning to your fellow barn mates that I think I'm having some compassion fatigue, <laughs> right? And how's, how's that gonna go over, right? <laughs> right? Get pantsed out in the yard. Yeah, like that's, you know, like you, you couldn't. You get called stuff we're not allowed to say on this package. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, Either, either it wasn't happening to you or you didn't understand it was happening to you or, or you, just, you just can't say that. Yeah. You couldn't say that stuff at all. So then you just you tough it out emotionally until your body gave out. But nowadays, I think people are realizing maybe the, um, the, the impact it is emotionally. And another question kind of associated with it. Do you think there's better work-life balance now than when 20 years ago when we were keepers or people are not tolerating it as much as they used to? I, I, I think that's the end of, I think it's an individual thing. Yeah. Um, but in the same aspect, I think people are just more aware of it now. Because when I was a young keeper, you know, it's funny because, you know, if you, if you asked me to work overtime, I did it. I just did it. You know what I mean? It, I didn't think twice about it. And nowadays you get keepers where you're like, hey, you want to stay a couple hours late? And, ah, nah, I'd rather just go home. Yeah, and, and again, like, that's like such a generational thing. Yeah. Like the baby boomers, it was like, you go to work, you do what you're told, to, you know what I mean? And you don't make yeah. waves and you, you work, 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 and then you come home and then now yeah. the new generation is is all about work-life balance. You right. know, they don't want to have that. Yeah. So I agree it's about work-life balance. It's about the physical end of work-life balance. Like, you know, 20 years ago, a 10, 12, 
go home and you're done. Yeah. Now, these people work an eight-hour day, but social media will consume them. <laughs> and, and the yeah. negativity yeah. And, the, and the bitching, and, and I think the, the emotional side of it, they can't turn it off because it's always on. Yeah. There's always that discussion. Like, you know, I talk, I talk work at home a little bit. I mean, my, my son tries to get me all the time. How's work today? You know, but it, it's, it's mostly, you know, my wife is a place that I can vent about stuff. And that's really all, all we kind of talk work-wise. Like, I need, I, need a, I need someone that I can just download crap yeah. to, you know? And, and she's that person. But it's, it's short. And then that's it. You know, whereas I know people, while they're not working, social media, you can't get away from it. Like that Zoo Creepers Facebook page is the most negatively it's charged. It's so toxic. It is. It is. And I feel bad. I feel bad for a lot of people that are writing on there because a lot of them... Oh, you, you, you totally get sucked into that yeah. black hole, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just... I'm not on my mobile. It's such a toxic cesspool. I mean, social media is the... But but even farther than social media, you know, even just take us, you know, 15 years ago or whatever it was, we weren't going home and checking emails till uh, every two seconds when you're oh there's a one on my oh, mail. You, 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 you know what I mean? So even that, you know, so not only now are we still working the 10 hour day, yeah. but now and I go home and every time I see a one on my phone with an email, I gotta click that yeah. thing too. and see what it is, you know. Um, Me too. So yeah. So is the work-life balance a product of that that whole system, right? Now people are more aware of it because of that and and disconnecting from what they do every day and all of the connectedness that we do. Yeah, I'm not saying there's not work burnout. I get it. And and I think think social media feeds the work burnout. But it wasn't until somebody posted that at Zoo Creepers or whatever, whatever Facebook page it was, you know, about three weeks later, now everybody... Everybody on my teams, you know, not the elephant team, but some of the other teams are like, oh my God, I got, I have, I have, you know, jet work, work burnout or whatever. It's like, you know, it was never even, it was never even in the vocabulary before. Well, I see some inconsistencies too, even within the same person. You know, some people that, um, you know, when I was an hourly wage employee, you know, the easiest money you can make is overtime. Right, you get 50% more for doing the exact same job. And then, um, and then there's the complaint that we don't make enough money. So it's, it's that balance is that, you know, after eight hours, I wanna, I wanna leave. Opportunity to make more money is more important for me to go home. But then I've also had some of those same people say, can I get, can I get access to my email when I'm not at work? So it's almost like, well, which one it is that you yeah. want? You don't want to be here for eight hours, or maybe you want to pick and choose when you you jump in and do something, right? So sometimes I'm not sure exactly what the best thing is. When you said, yeah, I see a a one come on my phone, you know, I do that. I do miss being an hourly wage employee because that wasn't even an option. Right. You know, I couldn't even do that. Yeah. So. But they are nowadays. There's keepers out they there do. all the time that are checking their even, if, they even though they're not they supposed are. to, but yeah. they do because you can't stop them if they yeah. want it on if they yeah. put it on their phone. I mean, well, see, th- that's the thing. Like at my facility, they can't. Yeah. They can't do it unless you know my IT department 
gives them access yeah. outside like the network. Microsoft right? 365 thing. I mean, it's all online. Yeah. You just go to the well, website and you get all your emails. Well, that's what we have. We have micro. No, no, but they still need access to do it. Yeah. Oh, uh, we don't. I mean, we, you can do it. Yeah, ours. Yeah, ours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you have access to it, though. Because that's how you're. That's but all of our keepers do. Yeah, all of Yeah, but they could shut that down. Yeah, well, then I need yeah. to look at that. Yeah, because that's. We're on the exact same thing Office 365 online, all that stuff. But you have to get. So many of the keepers want it because that's how they check their email when they're at work because they're not, you know, like close to a computer station, so they want. Yeah. But phone. can't but can't they uh, just do it in certain hours? No, oh, I don't know. I don't know the details about yeah. that. because that, that would be nice for all of us, quite frankly. If, if your company wants to do you a favor, shut down your fucking email yeah. at six o'clock every night and don't turn it back on till yeah. six the next morning. You know. <clears throat> you know, I think the, I think the amount of physical work people want to do because you said. People don't want overtime. They, you know, yeah. I think the amount of physical work people want to do, and it's, I think it's generational, is just different. Mm -hmm. So that is what it is. You know, I think people look at stuff different. It's more of a, uh, you know, me me society than it ever was. You know, we we had people, and, and you touched on it. You know, you want overtime, or who can come in for overtime, and and no, but if it was before Christmas, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. I need I need money for Christmas. I'll come in for overtime. You know, it's me, me. They're doing it for them, which I guess you can't fault them. Mm -hmm. You know, but it's a different it's it's a different thought process. It's it's diff it's a total different thing than it was when. Well, when you're younger, the reason why you do ask the, asking for overtime is because the animals need something, right? Like it's just like well. Somebody needs to close. Somebody needs to give these animals dinner. Somebody needs to do this. These animals will have will not have it. So even the concept of me saying no, I had, I had to have a real good reason to say no, because someone's got to do it. Mm -hmm. And if I say no, that's me me removing myself and putting the burden on my teammates. You know, yeah. wouldn't even dreamt of doing that talk to your team, get together. But sometimes, you know, I get a situation, it's just like, no one wants to do it. And then when three o'clock came, quite honestly, every one of those people would have got in their car and drove off and said, that's the zoo's problem. Today, to, today or back when you were? Today. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, the zoo's yeah. problem, yeah, I agree with that. you know, to deal with it, because I'm, I'm leaving. Right. Back then, you wouldn't get in your car like 20 years ago and leave yep. until you're damn sure yeah. that someone was staying to do that job. And, and I think hierarchy meant more back then too. Like, you, like, you know, what man on the totem pole is doing more shitty stuff, you know, and, and more senior people had more, um, you know, could, could pick and choose a little more about overtime or hours or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it was, you know, I think, I think you touched on it earlier. People respected. Yeah. They respected people. Period. Period. They respected people. Right. Yeah. But like, yeah, I just, you know, I said this before, but like when I was in Virginia, like I got four hours of over overtime every week, every Friday and Saturday. Somebody had to stay from three thirty to five thirty to close up the zoo, and myself and my wife, she did the other two days. Every week, every week we got four hours of overtime. And all I had to do was go through and lock up some buildings and make sure everything was okay. And I actually did less work, you know. And, and you know, there's been times 
uh, sense that you know you have keepers and you're like, hey, stay, and all you got to do is just do this. You know, it, it's a quick. You know, make sure this person doesn't need a tour, or make right. sure this person doesn't need this or that. And they're like, yeah, no, I'm just gonna go home. Right. And all they're gonna have to do is sit there. <laughs> you don't even have to do anything, and you'll make fifty bucks or whatever it is. And so I, I just coming from where I came from, this is the old man in me, right? But like, I just don't understand it. I don't understand how you would turn down. But I get like some people have, you know, they have they have to go pick up their kids. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. that's which is totally fine. But right. I mean, you look at a case, you know, you have a crisis situation, you have a calf with EEHV. Everybody's staying. You know, yeah. nobody wants to go home. Everybody, right. you have to like force people to go home because it's like, you know what, we got it. We need you to come back at night, and like you never get complaints. Right. <laughs> but well, that's when it hits the fan, you know. Yeah, and that's when I, I go back and forth, and sometimes I, you know, sound very judgmental. Well, they'll just go home, and and the, the work needs to get done. And one way, I f I want to judge people for that. Another way, part of me admires saying that. You know, that's your job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's also my, I'm taking care of myself as well. So sometimes I respect the fact that people are saying, I'll take care of myself. Mm -hmm. And I will say, you know, like you said, when the shit hits the fan. They're there. The, you know, I think no matter what generation that we're talking yeah, about, they, they are. I've never had any problems when, when the shit hits the fan and virtually comes up. I don't hear people saying, I yeah. can't come in. Yeah. We have overnight watches in an animal. The team work it out themselves, yeah. right? But the day-to-day -day thing, you know, we, we had a, um, you know, Sharon's talk today, it, it struck a chord with me, is that, you know, when the shit hits the fan, you can work works really, it works really well together. And how, how do you capture that yeah. thread and keep it going? Well, all of a sudden, your, your personal life and all that stuff is now a priority. priority. Yeah. But the everyday stuff, yeah. then your personal stuff comes a priority. Mm -hmm. I think it's one of the differences, we always look, no matter... All animal stuff was a priority over personal stuff. And that wasn't necessarily, you know, awesome for the people either. Right. So so any given time I get conflicted is there's a lot of things I can admire about it. Yeah. Um, and other things I, I can become quite judgmental on it as well. Have a, if you have a healthier work-life balance, you're, you're going to last longer in mm -hmm. the career and you're going to be happier doing it. Well, see, I, I agree with that too. Then, you know, if we, if we are focusing or the generations now are focusing more on work-life balance, but we have, we're not seeing that yet. We're not seeing longevity, mm. right? We're not seeing less, you know, I wouldn't say burnout. Um, I think what, what we are seeing more is that, you know, the 20-year keeper is that you have a mindset that, you know, this is who I am. And, and you stay in that pocket, and you can ride that pocket for decades. Now it's like that pocket is not good enough. Always yeah. try to look for Something more and more and more, and the drive just becoming more and more and more. I think it's contributing to people saying, I'm out. Because to move up in this industry, you know, there's, there's, an, there's not an infinite amount of positions right. for that. So some people might just get tired of waiting for that opportunity, yeah. or they don't want to move, yeah. you know? I mean, no. it's, it's the same in the vet side as well, you know, I mean, there's going to be a little bit more longevity, it's, you know, it's a career, you have to go to school to do it, you specialize, you know, I mean, it's, it's a life choice that you have to consciously make to, to do it, but um, the same conversations happen about work-life balance and burnout and stuff. Do you think that us and or this generation, what I'm getting at is, for, for me, I, uh, 
I really identify myself as what for what I do, right? Like I am, I, I am an elephant guy, right? And I really I take a lot of pride in that. Um, do you think that could be some of it? Is do you think some of these newer keepers or keepers that only do it for a couple of years, maybe they, do they just not grab onto that? And is that a bad thing? You know, and and maybe that's why I, you know, put so much on myself because like that's who I am. You know. Is, is this elephant guy and, and maybe that's a mistake of mine and I would love to hear if it is but do, do you think do you think that comes into play at all? I think it could because I've seen that throughout the zoo field not just on the elephant side yeah. but just in general where you know to, to some keepers it's a job and to some it's a career and, a, you know, and it's their identity right. um, and there's nothing wrong with either one of those things it's just you know, it, it maybe it's just a job to you, and it's it's a fine thing to do, but it, you, you don't really care one way or another, and, and right. it's just a job. And do you um, think that's why you, we're not seeing maybe not seeing the longevity because I, it is I, just more of a job for people? May, maybe I, I don't know. I, I I feel like in this day and age, it is probably a little less of just a job and more because it's you know there's a lot of competition for these job these jobs nowadays. Um, and so many people want to do it, and some of them have a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, you know, and all of these things trying to get into the zoo field because they want to do it so bad. But um, so, I, you know, I don't really know what the answer is, but I have, I still see to this day some people that are keepers where, I mean, really, it's just a job. Right. Not as many, um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you, like. I mean, being a zoo vet is what, it's what I am. Right. It, it's all, you know, what I've always wanted to be my whole life, and there's nothing else I want to be, and it's what, how I identify is, right. is a zoo vet. That's all I really want to be. Yeah, I don't, I, I couldn't see myself doing anything else. Yeah, right? I'll just work at Lane, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know. No, I mean, if I, if I had the talent and I had the opportunity, I would, I would be on dance on Broadway, but I don't have that talent. <laughs> so it is what it is, you know, I'll do the next best thing. <laughs> we would support you. I'd be in yeah. musicals. Um, <laughs> <laughs> One more question about the conference thing is that, um, and you guys never said your favorite fucking moment. You know, I said about, you know, <laughs> I toot me and Mike, you know, getting Nashville. Home, yeah. <laughs> Nashville was fantastic. I enjoyed every damn minute of that. One. I'm all great. sour. The number of conferences I miss is very small, and fuck, and Nashville's one of them. That's why we all town. It was made for drinking. Oh, that was, that was a, a good night. one. That was a good I'll one. Tell you, one of the. Oh no, are we still recording? Yeah, yeah. you're good. No, no, I don't want to say anything. You just won't put it in there. When you talk about conferences, there's one. You know, a lot of time you interview people and stuff, and they always want to know chances for professional development. And tell me if this is going to be a different topic altogether, but. I thought you were talking about what your favorite conference was. I don't, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> Tell us what your favorite conference was. That's all. It's okay, so I will <laughs> say, well, so my favorite conference moment, yes, <laughs> right, was, was I, just, I still remember this, a Monday night walking, you know, in, I don't know if it was downtown Albuquerque or something, but just Monday night walking around thinking nothing's going to happen Monday, and we walked by and this was like a small, a-frame chalkboard that says Baruch Assault tonight. <laughs> and I remember one of the guys we were with, you know, said to the bouncer up front, said, is that the Baruch Assault? And I thought in my mind, 
No, it's a fuck. It's a Ruka Salt cover, cover band. Like, yeah. There's no such thing, right? But we uh, we piled on in, and it was one of the, like not only the best conference moments, but one of the best like bar nights ever. Right? Oh, with Chris throwing yeah. another cheater. How yeah. they yeah. do? That's why we share yeah. Cheetos with the fucking taxi. It taxi is. Daryl got cut off. You got <laughs> cut off first. She's like she like points his eyes, and you're like. So then, so then, we're sneaky. I go, we're, he's six, we're he's six inches behind me. Right? We're, we're, he's drinking Crown and Coke. I'm drinking Captain and Diet. He's like, you get cut off. So he goes, I'll get you. A Captain and Diet and a Crown and Coke. She gives it to me. I turn around and give it to him. We go, we do this for a bit. Then she's like, you, cut off. So <laughs> Martina's there. So now she orders a beer, a Captain and Coke, and, and a Crown and Coke. What doesn't help is that we're one foot behind like, like cage rats, right? Waiting for our drinks. <laughs> so. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Because when you you heaved in uh, the bar at uh, Santa, Santa Barbara. Barbara, that was a good, a good one. I, I remember. So, so this says a lot about us. Yeah. So, well, no, this is this is great. I remember this. being coming back to that oh, bar. I even all this. <laughs> <laughs> I remember coming like I ended up by myself at that bar in Santa Barbara because everybody piled in cabs. And how I got back to the hotel, but I remember standing back outside the hotel and I didn't know how to get in. <laughs> So, no, like that I was a really nice hotel too. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, I painted the walls in the bathroom that night. Too. <laughs> <laughs> With shit or piss? No, fuck it. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I puked all over the place, man. Oh yeah. boy, Wait, it was everything was two for one. Uh-huh. So there's a big blue fishbowl was a special. It was big, it was blue. big drink, yeah. We had like literally seven, in a plastic fishbowl. We had yeah. like so was like I seven can't. straws, and everyone's fucking like it hits his pitch. He's going. And everybody else would suck it down to like what's Why would I pinch it off? I just wouldn't inhale. So we're drinking, we're, we do shots, and it's all two for one. So we keep buying him shots. Hey, so, cheers. So, uh, at one point, somebody and he throw it. No, no, but I had some right. shots. Remember, I was chasing them with sour cream. It was so gross. <laughs> Oh my god. The, it was so gross. So well, then, that's gross too. So then, so then it's my round to go get shots. So I go up and, I, and I'm like, fuck these guys. So I order rusty nails for everybody, which yeah. is Granbouille and Scotch. It's fucking gross as shit. So I'm like, fix their wagon water. So I'm standing there waiting for all my shots. All of a sudden, everybody's going up, like, got thrown out of the pews. And, and I'm on the hook for like eight shots Granbouille and Scotch. Okay, I'm, so, gonna, I'm, so, gonna, I'm gonna circle back around. Going back around, we're gonna have a physics lesson, okay? <laughs> he keeps talking about you're pinching it off. Those drinks weren't under pressure coming through the straw into your mouth. Then, <laughs> you I, would have to, to then I would have to pinch it off, okay? <laughs> if I wasn't drinking, I didn't want to drink, I would just pretend to put my mouth on it and not inhale. Okay, so you didn't inhale. I get it. I get <laughs> what you're saying. I bet you just wouldn't suck. That's right. That's true. <laughs> I, I would say one of the um, best icebreakers, though, was also Albuquerque. Albuquerque. Right? Tequila. In that aquarium, and you walked around the aquarium, they had food stations all around. And they had that tequila tasting um, bar. And the dude that was running it really knew his stuff. So, um, so you know, and there's the e shot glasses. Does anybody still have those? I got one. Uh, mine's long gone. You want to see someone get really fired up? So one of my favorite, one of my favorite conferences was the start of the pub crawl. 
and we're all sitting around outside the hotel. And where is this at? Cleveland. Oh, okay. And we're all sitting shaking his head already. <laughs> and we're sitting around drinking, and I, we get the, you get up. <laughs> it, was, it was that guy, Adam Cheek. I didn't know the guy. We're just standing around holding a beer, and he just looks at me and goes, Do you want a nipple for that? Like, what are you talking about? Like, I, like, I didn't know the guy. So, yeah, I got a little tweaked. Up. We get to the bus to the pub crawl. Where's the No, no. Did I not say someone's going to get a hot? No. <laughs> then we called him the taco for a while because Homeboy pulled it like a taco. <laughs> You say, did he make it to the first bar? Oh, no, I don't know. It, you were early. Don't say <laughs> Pack the chair. The last thing you have to worry about is the microphone. That's going out the window. I couldn't even, I don't know if I could count how many EMA conferences you think you my, went to. My first one was the Guild Inn. Yeah, that was, you, you went, what was that, 94? Uh-huh. Yeah. My, my first one was 98, Minneapolis. I, I was in LCP by the time, but I didn't go to that one. I went to the Battleship Tulsa was my first one. Mm. In like 03 or 04, somewhere in there. Four. That's my oh, first four. one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where I met you first time, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's where I met you first time. Tulsa, yeah. Thanks again for once again listening to Packy Chat. You know, I say it every time, but, you know, Packy Chat is not about agendas or anything like that. It's just a, a handful of guys getting together and talking about elephants and our passion for elephants. So we're not trying to push anything on anybody. Uh, we hope that anyone that listens has an open mind. And, you know, if you can take one or two things away from the stuff we talk about, great. Uh, if it spurs on uh, some conversation in the barn or makes you think about things differently or even reassures that what you're doing is right, uh, you know, that's all great. You know, we, I'll say it over and over, we love elephants and we love to talk about them. So that's what this is all about. So thanks so much for listening to us. And thanks as always for supporting us on Facebook or wherever you listen to your podcasts. A couple things. If you have other topics you want to hear us talk about, send us a, a message on Facebook or email us at packychatpodcasts at gmail.com. P-A-C-H-Y-C-H-A-T-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Uh, and we'll answer those emails uh, as soon as we can or give us ideas for future topics. And again, as I mentioned earlier on, uh, we are on Patreon now. Uh, go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, uh, and look up Packy Chat. And all that is is a way to help support us. Uh, you know, I know times are tough for everybody, and we're certainly not looking to make a profit on Packy Chat, but uh, there are some expenses that go along with it microphones, uh, software, podcast space, all that thing costs money that we're paying for out of our pocket right now, which we're happy to do. If you like us, like us enough to support us, that's great. You know what? And if now is not the time to provide any uh, financial support, we are so cool with that as well. Just uh, give us a like and share with your friends. That's good enough for us. Uh, As always, thanks so much for listening to us, and we'll see you next time. (laughs) 